Hello and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm James and with me are Richard, who's been thinking about a lunar landing and a very special guest in the shape of Sean Cleary, Head of PR for Audi in Australia. We'll get, ha- we'll get to how he's come to join us uh, shortly, and we'll update you on the who, what, when, where, and why of this planet's humble saviour in Musquatch. So stay with us. But first of all, happily, we've had some feedback, and um, it's terrific. David on Facebook, this is what he wrote. To the Tools in the Shed podcast team, hi, I planned to send a scathing old man bitchy email while listening to the latest podcast the other day because I couldn't properly hear everyone. Then I realised I was adjusting the cruise control, not the volume on my new car. (laughs) So this then is the updated, polite and hopefully helpful version. I love the podcast, but in my car I find the volume from some presenters, possibly Malcolm, tends to dip in and out of my hearing range while the host remains quite loud. Apologies for that. (laughs) This is a shame as I feel I might be missing out on some of Malcolm's more dry moments. Uh, Can you please move him closer to his mic? (laughs) Cheers, David. All right, well, look, we'll shuffle Mal closer to the microphone next time he's in here. That's a brilliant message. Thank you so much, David. Mal does do this occasionally. (laughs) He he leans in to talk to you. That's it. It's the microphone. He's so engaged. (laughs) That he forgets about the microphone. That's his only excuse, David, speaking on his behalf. Now, Beth Tender thinks we're pants. She said, pants, 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 which I read to mean quite bad um, normally. But anyway, she also offered up some limited editions. We've uh, been talking about that, including the Escort Sundowner van, which was, you know, a late 70s compact version of your, um, what were the Holden ones? The, the, uh, why can't I think of it? They... Called it. There was the Ford. Did Falcon the the the, com, the Holden what the panel van the special name Sandman Sandman. Yeah. So yeah, your Sundowner was the Escort yeah. uh, mm. compact version. It had a circular window. That's right, a bubble window. Into, a bubble window yeah. into the back. So yep. if you peered in there, I'm not sure what you would see. Probably not very tasteful. Naked bum. No, <laughs> could be. Um, Chapo's channel likes the look of the Lagonda SUV. Was excited by the new Triton, but bought a D23 Navara manual instead. So what a great truck! Well done. He drives a Merc 2653 Prime Mover in double uh, B double specification uh, configuration, and loves the podcast. What a legend! Does he have the ambient lighting package in that? In the in the Prime Mover? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? You should let us know. 64 Chapo's colours. channel, let us know. Bonnie Babu was back on board. He enjoyed your Lambo Eurus family review, Richard, oh, cool. and asks, are you making any more? Videos? or Maybe another yeah. Eurus review, <laughs> Just or the kind of long-form <laughs> Involve the Family review. I'm, I'm starting on my own website called Eurus Guide. It's just going to be Lamborghini Eurus. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get a bit samey, but... Yeah, the search traffic for that would be interesting. <laughs> mm. Um, and Blake Swan asks the valid question, who's going to buy all these EVs? He's predicting mm. a disaster with more expensive EVs than buyers. Now, I reckon that's a valid question, okay? Audi and, and various others are madly working towards an EV future. Uh, but if you build them, will they come? Time will tell. I've heard two sort of theories on that, that mm-hmm. EVs, second-hand EVs are the bargain of the century. Right. And then you've got other people who say, oh, I wouldn't touch one with a 10-foot pole. Yep. Uh, yeah, I guess time will tell. Well, in one of the biggest markets in the US, um, the current uh, federal administration, Mr. Trump, has said we're going to eradicate all of the subsidies that encourage people into EVs. Why should other people be paying for 
people who own electric cars. That's that's his rationale. So we'll see how that impacts sales um, mm. as well. So, look, thank you to everybody that uh, gave us that feedback. And to shed some light on why uh, Sean has joined us, other than being a terrific bloke, um, Richard had yep. an issue with Audi's, the, the little pieces of chrome-plated you know, numerals and, and letters on the back of the car were confusing him and he wanted some answers and Sean got in touch. And here I am. I am easily <laughs> confused. And as a bit of a background, uh, I recently uh, reviewed the A335 TFSI and mo- more recently the Q5 50 TDI. Audi uh, recently changed the, the naming, or, the, or the, not the, the models, but of those grades. And uh, we're actually we're going straight to the horse's mouth. We've got the horse. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, I am yeah. the horse. Come on, Ned. Come on, Ned. <laughs> Spit it out. Um, yeah, so basically we have introduced a new naming structure, uh, as you know, um, and it starts in Australia from about the 30-35 mark, goes up by five unit increments all the way up to, at the moment, 55, which is the uh, the old three-litre TFSI engine. And what we're finding is that those cubic capacity references will become increasingly more redundant when we talk about models like Atron, plug-in hybrids as well, where essentially an Atron is a zero litre. Yeah. And so in that case, and potentially if there are different power outputs, we still uh-huh. need to offer that differential. So, so the new hierarchy, as it were, mm. is on the power output of yes. the engine or motor or whatever it is you're talking about. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So um, there's no direct linear um, conversion, uh, but what you'll see is a 55 is all around the same sort of output um, and sits above, obviously, a 50, a 45, a 40. Uh, a 45, for instance, is what we used to call our two-litre TFSI engine, which is in a lot of models, yep. but then you'll see it as a 45 in an A4 an A5, a Q5, an A6. So it's always the same engine is the same number. And look, and, fr- and frankly, if someone's either online or in the showroom, they're going to ask the question, Yes. well, what's the engine? So, yeah, yeah it, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. But what if I'd prefer my car to be badged on its torque output, Sean? You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not fussed by power. I prefer torque. Oh, we're working on that, but uh, maybe that's phase two. <laughs> yeah. And, and as you said, this is future-proofing uh, models is. as well. So Absolutely. as electric vehicles become more and more popular and more in demand, you could still yep. have a 40, you know, e-tron, mm. and that will still you know, be equivalent to a 40 TFSI or, you know, in terms of power output. Exactly, it'd be yeah. comparable. And I think the big thing, while there might be sort of six or seven now that we're looking at, yeah. as a customer, if you're looking at a car, whether it's an A4 or a Q5 or whatever, you'll only be looking at two or three. Mm. So you're not looking at massive different versions and it's then easy for the customer to understand, okay, well, a, a 55 sits above a 50, a 50 or a 45 sure. or something like that. Yeah. And the, the genesis of this, I suppose, was that, you know, back in the day of predominantly naturally aspirated engines, the capacity of the engine was yeah. very much the naming of the car. Then Absolutely. you got turbo engines that were half the size but still had that number on their boot lid and it all became a bit odd. Mm. And I'm sure, you know, German people, methodical, yeah. logical, wanted something that was more in line with you know, the reality of the car. Yeah, yeah? exactly right. And, okay. and you know, for us, we're going to have 30 um, electric electrified vehicles by 2025. So that's going to make up a big portion of our range. And if you've got those engines, as well as, you know, some internal combustion engines, which will continue, obviously, beyond that, yeah. um, there's got to be a bit of a... You've got to make it easy for the customer to understand where the model hierarchy sits. And so, exactly right, we've so future-proofed it. What if, from where you sit, Sean, um, question without notice... What's the feedback from your dealers and their customers and what have you in terms of EV? Has, has there been a kind of positive embrace of, of all of that or what, what's the mood out there? Interest in EV? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, 
for us, uh, we've had a chance to drive it already. And yep. you're talking about take up before. I think the deciding factor for a lot of people, and I'm sure both of you guys have driven uh, electric vehicles before, is actually getting to drive it. Sure. Because it's such a great experience. It's obviously whisper quiet, which yep. is the first thing everyone notices. Um, but in the case of the e-tron that, that I've driven, is it's not yet in Australia until early next year. Apart from that, it's just like a normal car. Which yeah. is a plus because yeah. it's it's people can understand it. It's familiar to them. You can seat the same amount of people. You've got about the same amount of room. You can do all the same sort of functionality. Um, you just fuel it or charge it differently. I suppose mm. the Prius has a bit to answer for because it went through its kind of weird burger phase and it's still a, a fairly different looking car. Mm. So it sets up an expectation with people. Think, oh, it's going to be, you know different or strange or yeah. whatever. But your point's a valid one, isn't it? That yeah. getting into an electric car, you select drive and yep. you select reverse, you steer it, it has four wheels. It's, um, you know, the overall experience is broadly um, the same. Yeah, and yeah. like any new technology, you'll have some people that will race to, to take it up sooner than others. Um, but over time, I, I think people will see the, the definite advantages. And that mm. will come as there's charging infrastructure rolled out across the country and, and all the rest of it, as you'd imagine. Yeah. Mm. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's more refined process you're not you don't have gears so there's no yeah. you know sort of or, or turbo lag or mm. anything like that it's pretty seamless driving mm. experience yeah it's quite and you know torque is it's quite strong in electric cars so yeah. i think the future is uh pretty fun and fast so mm. yeah mind you i do find the exhaust note of the r8 rather entertaining yes uh, <laughs> sean so there's a lot to be said for that. yeah exactly right and someone who would prefer their naming badge structure by the torque capacity might actually like that yeah, as well. yeah that so, would be that would be very good the same customer so <laughs> yeah. i think we've covered it before yeah. but it's it's going to be horses for courses mm. almost by market and by customer mm. you know for a for a decent period of time yeah um Notwithstanding legislative kind of imperatives, maybe the yep. government comes on board and makes some kind of pronouncement that says everybody's going to be doing this by such and such a date. Yes. But given their druthers, I think people would make a choice on their own use and, and whatever they want. So there'll be R8s and mm-hmm. um, there'll be e-trons uh, as exactly. well. Yeah, yeah uh, just like there has been diesels, petrols, there's been hybrids now for some time, as you pointed out, James, um, and, and that will continue. And I think um, at the moment, um, clearly there, there's a weight of movement across all the manufacturers towards EV. Clearly that's where it's headed. And so there's a significant portion of the fact by by volume and scale, um, you know, that technology will become better and better and you know, ultimately prices will be more competitive as well. Great. Does yeah. that does that straighten it out for you, Richard? Do you Com- reckon you're squared away? Completely. And look, I've got to say, <laughs> it's it's actually quite an honour having you in here because you know every single explanation I've read about that new naming structure has come from like second hand, third hand, from journalists all <laughs> around the world. I actually haven't seen anyone from Audi anywhere sort of go. This is this is really what it means. Why, did, first. why didn't you ask? <laughs> yeah, so we did. So that's good. Yeah. Great. Cool. Now, uh, on the subject of vehicles that some people may be uh, hesitant about, yes, there's one Richard that you've been looking at that is interesting. Fill, come on, fill us in, and it's 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 not of this realm. No, it's of the uh, it's the, of, I suppose the third kind. It's uh, Toyota has made an announcement this week that it is going into a partnership with Japan's Aerospace and Exploration Agency. Uh, its name is JAXA. Jaxa. Going, going into a joint venture with Jaxa to create a lunar rover. 
now, why, why am I seeing Jaxa as the full forward <laughs> for the local yeah. kind of Aussie rules team? Go Jaxa! Go Jaxa! Come Jax, on, on the takes, ball, It Jax. takes five men to get Jaxa down. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just pulling them all across yeah. the line. Yeah, yeah. No, Jaxa, Jaxa have, have announced that they are hoping to have a moon mission between 2029 and 2034. And Toyota is going to be building a lunar rover. Right. Now, it's not like a lunar rover that we've ever seen before. You know, the original Apollo lunar rovers were um, quite small. Or and, the and, chariot and from Lost in Space. Lost in Space chariot. That was, that exactly. was a fantastic uh, This lunar rover uh, is quite a bit larger. It's sort of a five-meter by six-meter affair. It can take up just, you know, five or six astronauts. They don't need to wear... Uh, spacesuits inside. It's a pressurized cabin. It's a troopy. It's a troopy. It's basically yep. a troop carrier. And it can travel for up to 10,000 kilometers. That's its range. Six wheels, uh, which is. 10,000 kilometers. So yep. I know there's less resistance on the mm. moon, mm. but that's extraordinary. Absolutely. Uh, look, well, look, the original lunar rovers weighed about 250 kilos. Moon weight is 35 kilos. So that's quite a big difference in, in weight and that, you know, in terms of your fuel cells and all your luggage and cargo. Makes a big difference. Mm. I wonder, given that the lunar rovers, the original ones from the sixties, are still there. Yeah. Whether we could see the first ever car crash. Oh my god. On the moon. Or race. Or a race on the moon. That would be you great. just need to fire those up, uh-huh. and it's on. Would yeah. you? Do you want to know some pub trivia? Do you think they're talking to each other to make sure they, <laughs> they would be? Yeah, autonomous. Yeah. Do, you want, do you want to know some uh, lunar rover pub trivia? Always. Just to impress your friends over the weekend. So those original Apollo uh, rovers from the sixties and early seventies, they had electric motors. So they yep. weren't lithium-ion batteries like we've got today. Uh, they were silver oxide or something like that. Uh, they had a range of around about 35 kilometres. But NASA decided and put in a rule, a very strict rule, not to travel any further than five kilometres. Right, right. And the reason why is because NASA does, NASA's scientists and, and, and um health professionals said that they did not think that if it broke down it would be safer to be any more than five kilometers away so you could walk back to right. the lunar module okay. yeah so they decided that five kilometers would be the maximum distance you could walk in a space suit. Mm. um so if you were to travel 35 kilometers in it that's just you'd end up dying well, look, you see mm. those shots of those first lunar landings mm. and they were taking a massive bound i, say, I would have thought it'd be about, about three steps four or five just steps, steps per <laughs> kilometer i suppose after 40 kilometers that gets a bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's good trivia. So, yeah. look, look. at the same time, this press release, um, and look, Sean's written a few press releases in his time, uh, makes no commitments to, like, a lunar mission uh, or even building the lunar, you know, uh, rover, uh, but they just hope to be heading to the moon between 2029 and 2034. The, the thing that it's, got me, Richard, in looking at footage of it, and people looking on YouTube will be able to see You can see, see it right now as, behind as us. We speak. Yeah. Is its scale? It's, it's enormous because mm. I do remember those original lunar rovers. Even the tires, if you want to call them that, mm. were made out of mesh. Everything was, of course, about making it as light as as possible. That thing looks like it's ready to kind of cross the Great Dividing Range. Right. Yeah, it's, it's enormous. It's six meters long, five point two meters wide, and three point eight meters tall. Tall, three point so, eight meters tall. Mm. Wow. Yeah, like two Q sevens or something like that. Mm. I reckon. Yeah. That's incredible. So it'll need several rockets to to get it up there. Yeah, yeah. No explanation about sort of how that, you know, it'll probably be assembled up there. You know, that'd be the way to do it, I guess. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because I know as well, um, enormous 
dumper trucks and things in coal mines and wherever else, they're assembled on site. Yeah. They're never mm. actually a vehicle until yeah. they actually arrive yeah. as to where they're like going to be working. Yeah, they yeah, put them yeah. all together. Mm. Yeah. And, Sean, this touches on some Audi business. Yes, yeah, There was absolutely. the Audi, Luna, Audi Luna Quattro. Luna Quattro. So yes. I remember reading about that a couple yeah, of years ago. 2016. And it was, uh, a, it was when it was unveiled. That's right. Um, a partnership with PT? Or? It was. with yeah. part-time scientists, part-time scientists uh, as part of yep. the Google X Prize. So yep. uh, the, the mission to the moon, essentially, is what we call it. Um, and that car was actually in Australia for a very right. short time. Was it? Car. Is it a car? Do we call it a car? It did. It a did, rover. It yeah. did stand out in traffic. Yeah. Where, <laughs> where, Absolutely. where did you actually drive it? So we had it um, <laughs> We, we had it at uh, at our headquarters, actually, um, cool. for a few things that we were doing. And it's quite – it's probably about – that big, I suppose. Um, but you look at it and it looks to have a certain weight. It's obviously very carefully packaged up to travel. Yeah. But it's incredibly light. So that would only take a very tiny person. If, yeah, you know, exactly right. You have to have child, have child, child astronauts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is a risk. Like a pedal car. So um, is that, I mean, because, um, you know, from your own experience in um, seeing that there's no real commitment here between Toyota and, and the Japanese, you know, space agency, do you think that's a possibility of actually happening, or do they? Or do car companies do this? Uh, is it for you know promotion and publicity, or is it for their own internal development and stuff like that? Or for, I think in our case, it was a chance to sort of expand the horizons a little bit on both sides. Yeah. Because the part-time scientists yeah. did actually spend a good deal of time with our Quattro engineers, yeah, yeah. understanding how things work. Um, no doubt, talking a little bit about EV Quattro technology as well, and and what they might be able to take away to implement in in the rover. Mm. And because the incredible lightweight, I think it was thirty-six kilograms originally, and then of course every gram when you're firing it to the moon makes yes. a huge difference. And, yeah. and, and, and they cut five kilos off it. Wow. So all I was going to say was for yeah. people who aren't watching on YouTube, the Gestures that you made, Sean, in terms of yeah. its size, what was that? Like a, a less than a metre wide and, and a metre and a half or so long? long and, okay. and yeah, maybe three quarters wide. Yeah. Um, but the amount of detail was incredible. It was the, right. the machining and everything was was very precise, very impressive. So um, when uh, there obviously you know still a lot of work going on um, okay. to, to get there, but um, but yeah, it's it's quite an exciting. Okay, so there hasn't been any kind of great leap news, but it's still no, there bubbling away. That's right. We're still 385,000 kilometres away. I think yep. there, there could be a traffic jam on, on the moon. There, there are so be. many missions. I mean, Donald Trump is determined that uh, that Americans will be back on the moon by yep. 2020, and we'll get to that uh, a, a little later mm. with, uh, with Muskwatch. But, can, I, uh, can I just say, I love that you know it's 385,000 kilometres away. Yeah. That's, exactly, that's how far it is away. Yeah. You didn't just make that up. No, that's, no that's, that's exactly right. I haven't been there, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't you know that, Richard? <laughs> no, I, I actually thought it was 384, ah, and only because exactly. I'm a nerd. But yeah. I was impressed by that. Yeah, I reset the trip meter last time I went. Yeah. <laughs> well, it will, it, it will be um, interesting to see all of these efforts yeah. undoubtedly will yield something. Mm. Um, and there you go. People will be back on the moon before we know it. Yeah, really absolutely. Cool. All right. Now, we're going to move into a section that we like to call in our garage, which is what we have been driving during the preceding week. And, Richard, we're going to kick off with you. Yep. Um, we've been talking about electric vehicles and uh, the one that you've been occupying is electric. Fill us in. Yeah, that's right. Look, I've been to I've been to the launch of the Hyundai Kona Electric. Uh, my review will be coming out on March 22. So depending on when you're watching that, it could be up or it could be coming up very very soon. Uh, so I attended that launch, and um, look, it in a lot of ways it it, it looks just like a regular Kona. Uh, and I don't know if you you know you've probably seen a Kona out on the road there. They they're 
I suppose they're quite polarizing in, in the way they look, and they've got a grill very similar to an Audi, uh, but this one doesn't. Uh, it doesn't have a grill because it's got an uh, electric motor, um, which is sort of the future of, of you know electric vehicles. In that we're so used to seeing a big grill at the at the front of a car that this one's just got plastic cladding. Uh, you know, electric motors still need airflow, and there's there's ducts underneath it where air can come in. Um, there are ducts underneath it. Not- you meant to stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, they do. There was a great video I saw yesterday where um, all ducks, I mean, there were a dozen of them, yep. came up to the pedestrian light, waited for it, and then crossed. No. Yeah, yeah. They really? knew exactly what was going on anyway. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. yeah. And on that, on that cooling point, actually, Richard, yeah. it's interesting that actually there's a lot of demand in fast charging for cooling, yeah. uh, potentially even more so than actually driving, which is obviously the other way around when you think about internal combustion engines. It's all about sitting in traffic or when you're driving and the engine's under load. But yeah. for electric charging, it's actually because there's so much current going through the car to charge it that quickly. That's when the cooling system is, is really at its, at its peak. Well, that's it. Actually, have radiators. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like this mm. is these are things that I didn't know a few years ago. You know, mm. electric motors have radiators. They've actually got really sophisticated cooling systems. Mm. They just don't need that giant airflow coming in. And it's all about aero in those cars as yeah, well. Absolutely. And sometimes a giant grill, you know, isn't the best, you know, for aerodynamics. So, <laughs> yeah, and we're seeing it on Audis as well. You know, that's a brand that's famous for its giant grills. And mm. you know, I mean, is there any? Is there? How do we get around this? Can they put a grill still? They can still put a grill on an electric car, even though it's they do. not a functional well, thing. BMW does. I three yeah. still got a, its little, you know, uh, kidney grill and yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah. Designers actually love the challenge because mm. you're right. You, your cars have always had grills for yeah. that reason. So yeah. in the event that maybe they don't need such a big one, or maybe they don't need one at all, depending yeah. on, um, they love that challenge because it just opens up a, an entirely new field of design and creativity for them. So they're really excited. Currently, we still have grills, um, but as you say, for, for aero reasons, a lot of them are now blanked off. Um, just to prevent that sort of turbulence, I suppose. Hyundai's done this thing with the Kona grill, where, and I need to find out whether it's an aerodynamic thing or just a design thing. But what they've done is they've put these sort of dimples in it, which makes it look like a ye olde grill in some ways. They're kind of like little, little sort of like grooves in it, uh, rather than make it just a flat plastic sort of piece mm. of cladding which comes down from the badge to you know the, the front splitter. Um, it does create this effect of it having a grill, but I, I need to find out whether there's any sort of you know functional yeah, purpose to that. Mm. So yeah, maybe we'll see painted on grills, NASCAR style or maybe. I don't know, something <laughs> like that. Um, well, even if it doesn't have a grill, you could yeah. paint on your own. Paint on your grills. Once you stick, own, on just, just grills. Exactly, stick, stick on, on grills. Exactly, stick on grills. There's an <laughs> yeah. opportunity. That's Maybe right. we, sh- we should get into that. I do like the sounds that electric cars make, though. Uh, the the Kona has a has a, re- a reversing beeping noise, which goes, and it's it's like a polite version of a truck reversing, and ah. it goes beep beep beep, and it's also it also emits a sort of a pedestrian sort of warning Whir- noise as well. Whirring kind of noise. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very it's, it's very. Oh. Hey. Like <laughs> there was I remember reading about a guy who was in Manhattan, and he heard a kookaburra. And he's just, what? You know, he's in the middle of Manhattan, he's a kookaburra. It was a truck reversing, and somehow the truck, they downloaded like a kookaburra noise for when it was reversing. He went up to the guy and said, Hey, the kookaburra, what's going on? Are you from Australia? Because is that what it is? I had no idea what that sound was. No, he'd bought the truck second hand and didn't know what the hell the reversing noise was. Wow. It was a kookaburra. That's yeah. hilarious. Apart from apart from the Hyundai Kona Electric, I've also been in an Audi Q5 50 TDI, uh, which has been without sort of, you know, um, gushing too much about it with Audi in the room here. Um, it's been, you know, quite a 
relaxing, easy way to get around uh, for the week. I'm um, currently in a Peugeot 308, which I'll talk about next week. Uh, can, bit of a different experience there. So, Terrific. Yeah. Good. Now, look, um, I've been in that uh, vastly superior premium German car, the BMW 3 Series, uh, and we've just put our review of that car up today. So it's obviously a critical one for BMW. They've embraced the SUV wholeheartedly, but the 3 Series has been the backbone of, of their lineup for over 40 years. Mm. Uh, they've sold 15 million of the things um, over that time, wow. so it personifies or, you know, in, in mechanical terms, personifies the brand. Um, so two models to kick off with, a 320D, uh, as the D would imply, a diesel 2.0-litre twin-turbo, and the 330i, which is a 2.0-litre single-turbo petrol engine. Um, they're both just either side of $70,000, and there's been a lot of work put into tuning the suspension. They really want to get the driving bit into the ultimate driving machine promise. Mm. Uh, they feel as though the 3 Series needed to be um, revved up in that regard. And on the basis of a relatively brief uh, launch drive, I've got to say it's a great touring car. The, the compromise between the dynamics and the ride of the car is terrific. They've tidied up the interior. Any BMW owner will recognise it as a BMW interior, so it's evolutionary rather than revolutionary. But it's, it is a lot tidier. It feels contemporary. Yeah, They've yeah. got the digital dash, yep. configurable, straight out of the X5 into the 3 Series. The car outside, again, it's an evolution, but it's a, a very attractive. The grille, like all BMW grills, are getting so massive. There's just going to be no room for headlights. Yeah. But um, anyway, that's bigger. Uh, first impressions are, are positive on that car. I enjoyed, enjoyed driving it. We'll get it kind of in our in-house, as it were. Uh, to see how it goes in normal day-to-day driving, but first impressions positive. Talking of evolutionary as well, yeah, rather than revolutionary too, is that design as well. It still looks like the last one in a lot I of ways. Um, I suppose it does. Yeah, in the in the metal. Yeah, it does update it effectively. Yes. Yeah. There's there are some subtle things that once you actually get to yeah. see it in reality, updates it pretty pretty well. I think. Yeah. Others yep. may others may differ, but uh, but there you go. Yeah. But it is an important segment for particularly the premium market. You yeah. know, obviously, ourselves with the A4, Mercedes with the C-Class, new series, three series, It's it's been the traditional sedan segment yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Maybe the you know the sales numbers aren't um, quite what they were a while ago, but it's still very significant. And there's a lot of value in that size and type of car, as well as features. Because mm. this car now is loaded you know, with safety tech. The, the active safety, safety tech, just the base level, is hugely impressive, and then when you go to 3:30, you get that little bit more. Uh, they're all over it, and uh, the the both engines develop uh, 400 newton meters at yep. slightly different ranges, so they're they're both pretty quick. Um, the diesel, from memory, is a bit under seven seconds, zero to 100, and the petrol's just under six. Yep. So yep. they 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 get along really well, um, and the fuel efficiency's there. So yeah, and C class has been clubbing everyone over the head um, in that segment, BMW and. Audi included, and I think there were some months there where the C-Class was hitting the top 10 best-selling models um, individually. Um, so it's about time that fight became a little tougher. I think the, the 3 Series is a good entrant into that cage fight. And, Sean, strangely enough, 
you've been driving an Audi. Who would have thought? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and not the Lunar Rover because it's a little bit small for me. Yeah, I could see you, though, around Zetland at the head office <laughs> yeah, there. on the size yeah. for that, actually. You just have to put a steering wheel on there yeah, and off yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly right. Clowns, well, it's a remote clown control, style. actually. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm sure you can drive it but, by yourself. So it's not the Lunar car. <clears throat> it's not the Lunar car. It's a new A6, actually. We've got one in the country already. Um, yeah. We're launching it mid-year. Uh, it's an all-new car. Um, as yeah. we've seen, obviously, the, the A8 and the A7 in, in a similar segment roll out last year. Um, and so, yeah, we've been really excited to, to drive that. We've spent a little bit of time with it. Uh, but what that will bring for us in Australia is uh, Audi Connect, I guess we could call it 2.0. So it's a second version. We've had Audi Connect for a few years in Australia. And that's because the tow bar, isn't it? Where you, you want to, if you want to hook anything up, it's, uh, it connects to it just the connects to trailer. The trailer. Yeah. yeah. Connectivity, actually. Oh, so, okay. Connectivity. Sorry. So it's all it's all powered by uh, data sims. Um, so mobile, <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously, broadband yeah. is is one way of using it. And because there are differences in those technologies between Australia and obviously Europe and other markets, um, it's taken a while for us to bring this uh, a similar level, level of functionality to Australia. Uh, but we're really pleased that we're going to be quite close um, to, to what the European offering is. So that's going to be much more intelligent information you can download directly to the Great. to your car while you're using it. Cool. Information on parking and all that sort of stuff. Where and all the rest of and it. you'll be applying that ludicrously complicated naming convention to this model as well, won't you? <laughs> That's right. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and so that will actually roll out uh, from about the same time mid-year, but also in some of the other um, higher-end models that we've had. So the Fabulous. A7, A8, Q8 as well. So Great. we're looking forward to that and, and taking you through it in a few months. Excellent. Cool. Oh, that's good. Cool. Something to look forward to. Now, uh, something else that we always look forward to is Musk Watch. Right, so look, plenty of Muskwatch news. This oh my week. God, it's, there's never not there's, a there's yeah. never a dull week. There's never, there's never no a dull Musk week. And um, look, the big news, and we were talking about the moon, that SpaceX is lining up, and they have just put their Dragon spacecraft, docked it with the International Space Station. Yep, it splashed down successfully. That's, That's right. all fantastic. And SpaceX looks set to pick up the contract for the heavy lifting on NASA's moon mission, yep. which is set for 2020. So Trumpy is determined, as we said, to get some people back on the moon by 2020. And NASA has said it's open to external partners for various aspects of the whole effort. And uh, SpaceX is very much in line to, to do that. Um, and the only thing that occurred to me was... Elon was stung for the smoking a joint on Joe Rogan's podcast some oh, yeah. time ago, and NASA said that his clearance was actually in jeopardy, that he may be a person of, you know, questionable repute because of that. So I'd like to know whether he still is able to swipe the pass and get into NASA headquarters and whether they're still recognising him, because that was a big issue at the time. I think he uh, has too much to offer to lose his uh, yeah, his yeah. privilege, his access privileges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Moments on the lips and yeah. then... Years on the not getting into NASA. <laughs> I watched that. I watched that launch actually, and the the, the docking yeah. of Dragon with the International Space Station, uh, yeah. and to see the difference in the way that a government organisation builds uh, spacecraft and the way a private uh, organisation or business builds one is quite amazing. Because the NASA NASA ones look all there's nothing there which doesn't need to be uh, very very Spartan, but very sort of practical and you know. Util, you know, it's utilitarian. But the 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 dragon capsule looked, looked like beautiful. it had been designed by Pininfarina. It was, it was style, just, yeah, and even you're right. there was a spacesuited dummy in there as well. And the spacesuit was 
slick. It was wow. like an Armani spacesuit. It looked amazing. <laughs> and in that capsule as well was a soft single toy. Single-breasted or double-breasted? It was single-breasted. <laughs> single-breasted spacesuit. Yeah, suit. yeah. yeah. Waistcoat? Uh, there was there was no <laughs> fob watch. Uh, Pocket square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cravat. Yeah. <laughs> um, there were in that in that uh, dragon space capsule as well was a soft toy called right. Little Earth, and that was uh, Elon's sort of little gimmick. Gimmick. It is always a gimmick. I've yes, been putting that like in putting there as well. Putting a roadster in your rocket. And exactly. Then sending it out. There. Exactly. Wow. So yeah, it's interesting to see when private businesses sort of look after mm-hmm. things that are normally government. How yep. You know how different it is. And it's, the and the splashdown was so reminiscent of mm. you know the original lunar Apollo missions and the scorching down the side of the capsule yeah. has the kind of flame resistance. All that. Um, I like Really that. fires up all those yeah. memories of uh, well first hand memories from per- person <laughs> of a certain age uh, <laughs> from from when that happened first time around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now then on the not so good side of the ledger, um, Tesla has, well, put it this way, they've reversed their decision to close most of their stores and actually have undertaken analysis of each of their retail outlets, more particularly in the US. Mm. Some that have been closed will be reopened with a smaller staff. Some that, you know, haven't been closed might be closed. So they're actually going to go through all of that. It smacked of ready fire aim, you know, we, we went, they went out there, made a big announcement. Now they've thought about it. The way they're going to try and get some more profitability in the business is raise the prices um, of yeah. vehicles that mm-hmm. had been reduced in price. They're going back up. Everything raises by 3% except for the Model 3 $35,000 entry model car. Because they've promised to they've keep it. They've promised that. to keep yeah. it at that. But everything yeah. else goes up by 3%. So uh, who knows what will happen next week? There'll, there'll probably be a, a rewind on all of that. But that's the way it is right at the moment. It's interesting, and and Sean, I've been to a lot of you know your press conferences and other car makers where they talk about moving away from the dealership sort of model and then sort of more to a retail sort of thing. And you know, I know that Audi do a bit of both, um, but you go to a Tesla, uh, you know, event and they don't even use the word dealership. Mm. Um, it's all you know, an exp- uh, words like experience mm. or you know, retail outlet or yeah. even shop. Um, and that decision to close down all dealerships was pretty rash. Pretty rash. And like, the, 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 the governing thought here is that the intention is still to have all sales online. Yeah. So these mm. will be experience type, mm. you know, play, spaces as opposed to the come in and buy your vehicle. Uh, so, but that may change. Any, yep. Anything is possible. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll maintain a musk watch on, on that particular uh, thing. What I are think your... it points towards the just at the moment in the industry. It's such an exciting time because there is so much change around that idea of ownership, use of a car, how cars are made, mm. transition to different types of drivetrain technologies, connectivity, and everything. Yeah, we had our annual press conference last night in Ingolstadt, and, and that was that was a clear point to say that this is this is a pivotal time um, for for our brand and also the industry mm. in terms of what comes next. And and no one knows exactly, and so there's there's a lot of exciting things happening in the in the space. Fabulous. Now, mm. the other thing is that pesky uh, SEC in America, there's still an arm wrestle between Elon and um, and that particular uh, body about tweets and about what may or may not impact. I thought you meant Joe Pesky. Joe, Pe- Joe I thought, Pesci. I thought you meant him. You think I'm funny. <laughs> what? Am you I fu- I'm, a... I'm funny to you. You're funny. You're funny. I'm you fu- said, I'm funny to you. Yeah, you're funny. Anyway. You know. <laughs> funny guy. That is one of the most intense scenes <laughs> ever. Anyway, uh, so Elon says his tweet about 500,000 cars a year was not material to Tesla because that information had been released previously. Uh, so there's no violation. 
and, and, and Tesla's lawyers have lodged a 33-page document. Uh, they filed it on Monday this week to the Southern District Court of New York to that effect. I've got to say that if you've gone out there and tweeted that it's 500,000, then four hours later you tweet a correction of that, that could have – what you tweeted was wrong. Therefore, that could have a material impact on the share price of the company. And the whole thing was that his tweets were meant to be vetted by a Twitter minder, yeah. um, and that one obviously wasn't. So that's mm. at the crux of the argument, and that will be determined sooner rather than later, you would think. So Elon has some dead-set hate against the SEC, and probably likewise by the feel of it. So we'll see where that goes. He, he holds a grudge, doesn't he? He's, he's, a, not, he's a good he grudge holder. He doesn't just let it go. Wow. So <laughs> there's that. Stay tuned for that. Moving on. Today, we record this podcast on a Friday, so today is the 15th of March. At 2 o'clock Eastern Time, the much-awaited Model Y will mm. be unveiled. So this is the smaller SUV, and that is an, just another kind of thing to add into the mix, the impossibly complex thing that is Tesla, um, and it's due for production in 2020. So we're getting a look at it now, production next year. Um, and look, we've seen some some teasing kind of videos where it's draped and it's going to have the drapes ripped off. The overall form of it looks like, no surprise, mm. a smaller Model X. Yep. Um, but we'll see what what happens there. So that's an, another important model for Tesla. Can I can I ask Sean sort of a un, unscheduled uh, question? And that is, what I think, I think you're about to. Yeah. <laughs> just in terms of not even Audi, but just generally, you know, the car industry. How does the car industry view somebody like Elon Musk? Is He's he's a, you know a disruptor. He does things very differently. He almost seems to just make it up as he goes along. Like, what what's the general vibe amongst you know car industry? Yeah, I think within uh, I think within Audi certainly there's recognition that um, you know the brand has, has changed the way that you know mm. it, it, business can be done. Mm. Um, so whether it's necessarily the the right way for other companies or a company like us to adopt is a different question. But I think there's certainly different you know some learnings and some interesting observations about um, what they've done, how they've taken it on. Um, and they've certainly created a huge amount of interest. Um, and I think no one can argue with that. Yeah, he, he certainly knows how to build a following. Like, <laughs> well, we follow him. Yeah, we follow him. Uh, we more, we in, stalk in, him every really. Move, yeah, we're basically just, yeah. trolling. Him. <laughs> uh, but we're not the only ones. No. Um, and look, the the final thing is the Model Three production tracker. We follow the Bloomberg Model Three production tracker because Tesla famously doesn't issue its own kind of weekly production numbers. Right. But this year, uh, this year, this week, we're at five eight one three, which is up wow. a whole forty eight units on yep. last week. So. That just sub six thousand number seems like their their run rate. That's, yeah, that's the volume for Model Three. That's incredible because uh, you know this time last year it was three. It wasn't even three. No, we're near it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all of that hullabaloo and that seeming chaos uh, has somehow been put into straight lines out of the spaghetti that, yeah. that once was <laughs> Tesla. Um, wow. And look, with that, I think we've reached the finish line. Yep. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, really. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Uh, and thanks to our producer, Mr. Pritchard, for his mighty work behind the scenes. You can join the conversation by searching for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram using the hashtag CG Podcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. You can listen to and watch us on YouTube, and there's a comment section there, of course. So get on board with Bonnie Babu and uh, Blake, Chapo's, Blake Chapo's Seven. channel. Yeah, exactly. All of them. Get on board there. If you're enjoying Tools in the Shed, let other people know, and there's a chance they'll like it too. Maybe you can review us on iTunes, and thanks to those who have. Until next week, 
For some strange reason this morning, I couldn't work out how to fasten my seatbelt. Then it just clicked. Ah, Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>